I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps. And then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Well, canceling vacation plans to Atlanta. Have you ever thought about what it would feel like to be scalped? Scalped, like the Indians did. Somebody grabs a hold of the 
front patch of your hair. They're going to get as much skin with it as they can. They're going to yank up. And then a blade, probably not even a razor sharp one, saws your scalp off the top of your head. In front of your family. We'll come back to that. Remember, I'm giving you a part two today, a brief part two today in the Mexican-American War. Never done a part two before, but here's the thing. We geniuses, we just do creative stuff. What, Chris? We just do creative stuff that just, it's just so impressive. I mean, and doing radio for a living Maybe the hardest job on the planet. And what, Chris? And I, I know I make it look easy, but do you have any idea how difficult it is to put on a T-shirt and come sit in this chair and talk for three hours a day? It's brutal. It's brutal. It's like breaking bricks, essentially. If you're on the construction site right now, I know what you're going through. I'm doing it too, buddy. This is my version of pounding nails. And I considered this yesterday in my super genius brain. I kind of have a couple more things, a couple little battles I want to talk about in the Mexican-American War. Maybe I'll do it another time. You know what? No. I'm doing it tomorrow. What, Chris? That's called rebel thinking, Chris. You wouldn't understand that because your IQ is 50. Mine, I mean, it's probably 900. I don't know. I've never been tested. Now, remember where we are in the Mexican-American War. Let's start out with Texas. Essentially, we tried to buy everything Mexico, air fingers quote, owned in America. And they did own it. I shouldn't air fingers quote it. California, Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, a big portion of Texas were Mexican territories. But remember, Mexico was in absolute disarray. A new leader every few months, a new coup every few months, economy wiped out, and as such, they really left these territories alone. They would have a general there, maybe some troops there, but oftentimes not even troops. Like, they did not govern these places. They were part of Mexico, but these places were completely on their own. And... They did what human beings have been doing since the beginning of time. It wasn't just complete chaos. They organized their own little mini governments and leadership in their own way. And that's human nature. Human nature seeks out some form of order. Because it feels safe. Human nature is some people... Few people will be leaders. Most people will follow along and will want leaders. It's one of those things, natural leaders, which you may be one, you may not be. And it's not like that's a good or bad thing. It's just the way God made you. Natural leaders have a difficult time understanding people who aren't leaders. I find myself doing it, to be honest. Think for yourself. What's wrong with you idiots? You've heard me yell like that before. The truth is, 
most people don't want to, don't have the ability to, a combination of the two, they don't want to have to think for themselves, look into it for themselves. Maybe they don't even have the time to do so. Uh, I, I, I got 10 minutes to watch the news. Just tell me what to think and we'll move on. But I don't want to get sidetracked here. So understand, Texas, where they invited the American settlers in to, sh- to form a buffer between them and the Comanches. New Mexico. California was huge on this. They left these territories alone. Now, that was good and bad. The good news is, hey, it's not like you're under a really repressive Mexican government. I mean, you haven't seen a Mexican in ages. The bad news is you also don't get the services and protection of the Mexican government. And this is still heavy, heavy, heavy Indian country. Remember, Comanches, we're talking Apaches, Pueblos, Utes. Some of these people peaceful, some of these people very not so, very much not so. Apaches, I mean, we talked about Comanches yesterday. Apaches were ferocious people, and they hated Mexicans, and Mexicans hated them. And they were constantly raiding each other, taking slaves from each other. You remember the famous Apache chief Geronimo. Everybody's heard of Geronimo. His awesome words on his deathbed when they asked him if he had any regrets in life. And he said, I wish I killed more Mexicans. <laughs> That's hardcore. That's hatred right there. So if you're a settler, if you're pushing out west, and yeah, it's Mexican territory, but it's as dangerous. This is dangerous stuff. You're going to seek out other settlers. You're going to seek out protection. You are all going to be armed. Isn't it so funny how society changes? And this is going to come back here. You're all going to be armed. There was no, I'm just not comfortable with guns. No, not not now that little Billy's been born. What if he plays with it? No, everybody had firearms. Everyone. And it should be noted, not all the Indian tribes were warlike, and even some of the ones who were would come to agreements, would come to, you know, they would start loose treaties with the settlers and settlements. It wasn't always hostile. We like to look back on it as, oh, the Indians and the settlers were always at each other's throats. That's not necessarily true. Hostilities would rise and fall. But they could and did help each other a lot. But let's go back to Texas. Remember how James Polk, the president, tries to buy all this stuff from Mexico and moves an army down there? And they eventually just decide, America does, oh, uh, Texas is part of America. Now, Texas wanted to be part of America. They went from being the Republican of Texas to part of America. And everybody's happy, right? Well, no, because we, America, and we, Texans, I get to claim both, we all decided that the Rio Grande was going to be the border of where Texas and Mexico, you know, that dividing line, uh, Mexico thought it was well north of there. And remember, the President Polk moved an army 
under Zach Old Rough and Ready Taylor down to that northern Mexican border where Mexico viewed it. Once we brought in Texas, once Mexico rejected our offers to purchase it, we went ahead and decided, well, it's time to go to war. Now, here's the issue. Then and now, we try to simplify history. But remember, there are always differences of opinion in any government. Always. And throughout American history, we look at the things that happen and act like, oh, everybody must have been on board with it. Um, everybody was very much not on board with going to war with Mexico. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. You need a good night's sleep, and you need one every single night. And if you're not getting one, I know what you're going through. I know what it's like to have your eyes burning, to have your mind feel like it's in a fog all the time. To feel a little short-tempered, then you feel bad about being short-tempered. I know. To feel lazy. You you finally get done with work. What do you want to do when you're tired? You just want to go home and just sit down. It sucks. And you know you don't have to live like that, right? You can go get an ebb sleep like I've been telling you about and start sleeping every single night without chemicals, without pills, without anything. It's a wearable device. You put it on your head. It provides precise Continuous cooling to your forehead puts you asleep. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryeb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code jesse at checkout. Get 25 bucks off. You're James Polk. You want to go to war with Mexico because you want this territory. This was James Polk. Polk was a Democrat. It wasn't Democrats and Republicans. It was Democrats and Whigs back then. And Polk really, really, really wanted this territory. And Mexico would not sell it. And remember, Manifest Destiny was a big thing. And so what do you do? Remember, this is in an era before the president of the United States had the ability to just decide he wanted to go to war. This was, you know, back when Congress had to vote for that. We used to be all about that separation of powers life. And Polk had people like John Quincy Adams, who it's really cool, by the way, John Quincy Adams. Yeah, that John Quincy Adams, the president of the United States, son of John Adams, He was, when he was done being president, he went back to being a member of the House of Representatives. Thomas Jefferson did this same thing. When he was done being president, he went back to being a member of the House of Representatives. That's how much they treasured the people's house. They thought that thing was, that was really, really where the country was governed from. 
kind of a different America, right? Probably a much better America. But people like John Quincy Adams was dead set against this war. They viewed it as completely immoral. Uh, This is a war of conquest. We don't do that here. Nevertheless, you're still the president and you still have some, some ability to manipulate things the way you want to go. So, look, you don't have to declare war. You don't have to go down there and start shooting people. All you have to do is send some armies down there across the border for maybe a little quick scouting mission. Maybe you lost somebody from your unit. I don't know what happened to it. Look, we got to form a search party. In your Mexico, you've just rejected these huge offers. You're a little salty about the American troops on your border. And I know you're going to find this shocking, but surprise, surprise, they get yet another coup in Mexico with a hugely, hugely anti-American dude takeover. Well, we send one of these kind of scouting parties into Mexico. Not really Mexico. Depends on who you ask. We think it's Texas. Mexico thinks it's Mexico. These scouting, the scouting party rides on to a ranch, a ranch owned by a Mexican. There is one way into this ranch and one way out of this ranch, one big gate. Our troops ride in. We start interrogating the ranch workers. Hey, have you seen our guy? Have you seen this? Have you seen that? All of a sudden, somebody shouts out a warning. We turn around and guess who is riding through the gate but a large portion of a Mexican army. There's a massive shootout. We have our guys get killed. Our guys get captured. And what is interpreted as pretty much a celebratory letter gets sent back to James Polk saying, Hostilities have commenced. Oops, we're at war now. We got dead troops. How'd that happen? Remember this always. For the right reasons, for the wrong reasons, it doesn't matter. There's nothing easier than starting a fight. You can start a fight. How hard would it be? For you to walk in the door tonight and start a fight with your wife. For you to walk in the door tonight and start a fight with your husband. You know them. How hard would it be? You know the buttons to push. Starting fights goes beyond personal levels. It goes country levels. It's so easy to go to war if you really want to go to war. Yeah, you got to wait for Congress to declare it, but... Here we have it. War is kicked off. And what do we do? Zachary Taylor, old rough and ready with a young lieutenant in his unit by the name of Ulysses S. Grant. Perhaps you've heard of him. With a young lieutenant. Takes a few thousand dudes. Rides south right to the Rio Grande River. Across the wide Rio Grande is a Mexican army. And in the biggest up yours in this little short conflict, they go ahead and build a fort 
right there on the river. You might as well have carved a big middle finger into the fort, and they call the fort Fort Texas. About 6,000 Mexican troops on the other side. We have about 3,500. Now, I need to do a brief setup for you on the armies. One, the United States of America is strong, but nowhere near the superpower we are now. Nowhere near the superpower we'll even be by the year 1900. We're a strong-ish country. We're not in the same league as countries like Britain at this time. We're just not in the same league. Mexico is pretty much equal to us. They have the same equipment. They have the same training. They have the same artillery we have. They have some capable commanders. The death of Mexico in this Mexican-American war they end up losing is not the troops. It's not really the equipment. It's the instability at the top. The mission's always changing. The mission is always changing. They don't have the money, manpower, resources to govern these territories we want from them. And and as we will see here shortly, when we get to so many of these territories, the people there don't consider themselves Mexican. They don't necessarily consider themselves American, but we get to California and they just consider themselves to be Californian. They didn't think anything about Mexico. They kind of liked America because so many of these people were Americans who'd moved out there. So, I mean, yeah, America's, they're our friend, but we're Californians, which is weird to think about, isn't it? People would get to these places and without anyone governing them, you start your own tribe. Remember that. We like to get awfully panicky sometimes when we talk about the disaster we see out there. What comes next? What do we do there? Like-minded people living in any area in the history of mankind will form their own version of stability. They will. But anyway, don't get me distracted right now. We go down to Fort Texas. We got 3,500 dudes. Build a really nice fort by all accounts. Only Zach Taylor has a problem. You see... Like I said, the Mexicans have 6,000 dudes right there across the Rio Grande. A lot more than we have. They have good equipment. They have capable dudes. And we, we are a long way away from our supply lines at Fort Polk. I believe it's about 26 miles away. Now, what do you do in this moment? I find these little decisions to be endlessly fascinating. What do you do in this moment if you're Zach Taylor? You have 3,500 men. You've built a good fort. They have 6,000. You need to leave this fort and get to Fort Polk 26 miles away so you can stock up on supplies. Otherwise, your men are going to die of hunger, thirst, run out of bullets, and this thing's going to be over really quickly. What do you do? Hang on.
you don't know how to take on the IRS. You don't have to feel bad about that. That's not what you do for a living. I don't know either. But I do know this. You better take on the IRS. If you owe $10,000 or more, um, you better do something about that or they're going to steamroll you. They will take you to the cleaners. You know that there's a CNC tax program, and if you qualify for it, there's a chance you'll get to stop making payments while you're in it? Yeah, that sounds nice, doesn't it? But you don't know about that, do you? And I don't know either, and I can't walk you through that, but I know who can. Paramount Tax Relief can. That's a fact. Paramount Tax Relief takes on the IRS on your behalf, and they do that for a living. Call the professionals. Call Paramount Tax Relief. 800-816-8749. 800-816-8749. Paramount Tax Relief. What do you do? The agonizing decisions a general has to make, a leader has to make in combat. These 6,000 Mexicans are going to come for your guys. How many do you leave at the fort? How many do you take with you? He makes what can probably be described as an incredible decision, especially in hindsight. He takes 500 men under General Jacob Brown, leaves them as much supply as he possibly can, and he takes off. He takes off with everybody else. He's now got 3,000 dudes with him, leaves 500 men behind to take on 6,000 people in the Mexican Army. Now the Mexican Army... Moved a little slower than they would have liked. But they attack. They start bombarding the fort. But these idiots in the Mexican army, I'll never understand this. I'll never, ever understand this. This is all about the siege of Fort Texas, by the way. Why did they let them build the fort to begin with? With half the troops, you're sitting there watching them the whole time build the fort? But again, remember the disarray Mexico's in. The guy's probably sending dispatches the whole time. Uh, Can I attack? What am I supposed to do here? They wait till the fort's built. They attack these Texans. And these guys can shoot. Our guys can shoot. And we have artillery too. And we start blasting back at them. And they're blasting away at us. And eventually they blow off the lower leg of our commander, Commander Jacob Brown. It's almost completely off. But not totally, and you know what that means for this time and place, right? Not that this would ever be a pleasant thing to go through, but you're not going to get checked into the ER and get put to sleep and doped up with a bunch of pills. Jack, they're going to belt your leg off and carry you into a tent somewhere, and they're going to pull out a saw that has not been disinfected, and they're going to saw through what's left of your leg. I have always been morbidly fascinated with this, that this was just what 
people did. You can, if you have a strong stomach, and only if you have a strong stomach, I cannot emphasize this enough, you can go Google image search things like Civil War hospital limbs, and you can see they have pictures of them, real pictures of them, just stacks of feet and legs. Oh, gosh, that is brutal. Well, they bring in this commander. They saw off his leg. And apparently, while he appoints someone else to be in charge, the man remains calm, directs his men the whole time, trying to hold out until help arrives. Now, Zach Taylor gets back to Fort Polk, gets all his supplies, and turns around and takes back off for Fort Texas because he's got to go relieve his guys, right? Except the Mexicans knew exactly what was coming And they put their troops in between him and Fort Texas trying to cut him off. Zach Taylor has to fight not one, but two major battles against the Mexicans to fight through them. And in one of those all-time cool moments, they have to decide what they're going to do next. Are we going to keep trying for Fort Texas to relieve them while they're under siege? Are we going to let them go? And it wasn't even a decision. They're like, oh, we're coming back for our guys. They fight their way back to Fort Texas. Sadly, General Brown, the man without a bottom part of his leg, I know you're going to find this shocking, shocking given those conditions, but he comes down with a horrible infection and dies shortly before the siege ends. Zach Taylor gets there. We win this battle. And remember the name of that general, General Brown, at Fort Texas? That's now where Brownsville, Texas, sits today. Name for General Jacob Brown. How about that? Let's go out west briefly, and then we'll wrap this thing up for today. Remember, we need we need people to be upset in order to allow us to come in and take over in California. They're not necessarily look again, they don't hold some strong allegiance to the Mexican government. They're kind of okay with the Mexican government. They're very okay with us. We need them kind of upset. And so there's this explorer by the name of John Fremont. He's known as the Pathfinder, which is not as cool as my nicknames, Jesse Shogun Kelly, Jesse Steel Kelly, or Jesse the Oracle Kelly. I go by all those, by the way, so if you would please just refer to me either as Shogun or the Oracle or Steel, what? what? It's fine. 877-377-4373, or the email is jesse at jessekellyshow.com. That's jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Again, I go by any of those. Any of those is fine. I prefer Shogun, I think, but whatever's fine. Anyway, Polk needs Californians to be upset. Polk can't look like he's trying to make Californians get upset, so you can't send official letters out there. So you bring in a man who's essentially a modern-day spy. 
the Pathfinder, John Fremont. And what's so amazing about this is we don't know. We don't know the message Polk sent to Fremont because Polk took one of his spies, gave him a verbal message to memorize that he then took out to Fremont. And we don't know what the message was. I think we can guess after what happens next. But Fremont gets 60 volunteers, including a man named Kit Carson, who you may have heard of before. A bunch of Indians, Delaware Indians. And he starts to stir up trouble everywhere he goes in California. Cause a little civil unrest here, a little civil unrest there. Then leave Starts to whip Californians up into a frenzy. Why? Because there's power to be found when there's chaos. Good people, bad people, however you want to classify it. When there is chaos out there, when there's disorder out there, it is the nature of man to want that fixed, and they will oftentimes Follow whoever claims to be able to fix it. That's just how we operate. Why do you think there's often so much civil unrest right before a bad guy takes over? Whether it be a chicken or the egg thing, I don't know. But in really, really rough places... The people are hungry. There's warlords. There's starvation. Why would you follow the murderous general? He promised to protect me and bring law and order. John Fremont gets out to California, causes trouble, then moves up into Oregon Territory, beds down for one night, him and his 60 volunteers, Wakes up to a hacking sound. Some local hostile Indians have found his 60-man party, and they wake up to find these Indians taking a hatchet to the face of three of their guys as they slept. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. ExpressVPN protects your online information. And here's what I mean by that. Every time you get on the internet in your house, which I do too. You know, I do. The wife does. The kids do. Every time you get on the internet in your house, you are opening up a window into your home. A window bad people can crawl through digitally. You're exposing your information out there unless you have ExpressVPN. If you have ExpressVPN, your IP address is totally anonymous. They encrypt 100% of your data. Even your internet service service provider cannot see what you are doing. Give ExpressVPN a call, sign up, start improving the security, close that window into your home. Go to expressvpn.com slash jesse. That's expressvpn.com slash jesse, and that gets you three months free on a one-year package. 
They get up the next morning after having three of their friends hacked to death with hatchets. And they go hunting. And they keep hunting. And they find an Indian village right off the bat, same tribe that got them. I don't know whether or not it was the same people. You can never get... This is what bothers me. It's so hard to get accurate history now because everything's so twisted. Even in looking into this whole Mexican-American war thing, you have any idea how much slant I had to wade through in all this? How much America sucks, we stole it slant. That's so stupid and absurd. And in this one, well, was it the same people that just hatcheted their friends or not? Because they did find a tribe. They killed 14 of them and burnt down their village. Um, okay, that sounds completely appropriate if that's the people who just hatcheted my buddy's face. If it isn't, then it's not appropriate. You see what I mean? And you can't ever get an answer on that. All you get is, well, it was a, it was a, a genocide of that village. Now stop. Anyway, back to California. Remember, they get some people, and I'm going to end this in a second. They get some people in California to start a movement of Californians who want to formally cast off the Mexicans. These Californians call themselves bears. Why is there a bear still on the California flag? That is why there's a bear still on the California flag. I'm skipping over vast quantities of this for now because I don't want to go two hours and we have a lot to unpack news-wise today. Plus, I have to tell you a funny story. New Mexico, Santa Fe. This is another one of those areas where they didn't really have Mexican rule, but they didn't have American rule either. And the Americans march in there with their troops. They take over. And this Santa Fe is not just Santa Fe. It's a huge area at this time. The Americans take over and they leave somebody in charge. Because the army takes over, they won. It's without firing a shot, completely bloodless. Without firing a shot, they take over, they win. Now you have to leave a man in charge while your army continues to push west. And they appoint a man named Charles Bent in charge. And here's where they made a critical, critical error. If you're going to take over... You must bring something when people are, have been thinking independently and living independently for a long time now. You must bring something of value to the table if you plan on governing these people. You can't just walk in and say, I'm in charge. Unless you're going to declare martial law and hold everybody at gunpoint, you had better offer something or you're going to have a problem. And here is the issue the Americans faced when they left Charles Bent in charge. They didn't offer anything but abuse. They didn't control the U.S. troops who were there at the time. Remember the human mind? Remember what a human being, even a completely innocent human being, is capable of doing to another human being when he, when he finds out he has all the power over them? Why do you think 
occupying troops grinded on the original, you know, founders so badly? Why do you think it's part of the Constitution that you cannot put your troops in with us? That didn't just randomly get in there. That's recipe for abuse. It is not a good idea to have an army armed, occupied with civilians for any extended period of time, be it your own country or in another one. It does not work, and it will not be clean. That doesn't mean everybody's bad. That's the nature of man. And it's a bad idea to have a bunch of younger testosterone-filled young men marching through a city with weapons and all the power in the world to do whatever they want to you and you don't have any power to do anything back to them. Our troops did not behave well. The Governor Charles Bentz did not control them, which brings me back to how we began the show that one fateful night in what is called the Taos Revolt. Charles Bent, his wife, their five children, all young, wake up to a pounding on the door. Charles Bent opens up that door and sees a bunch of very, very, very angry Indians wanting him dead. They shoot him. He manages to get the door closed after being shot. At which point he directs the wife and kids to try to dig through one of the walls because the house is surrounded, yet they share a wall with the neighbor. So picture this amount of terror. The wife and five children under 10 using a ladle in a fire poke start digging through the adobe walls to try to get out of the house before the angry mob of Indians comes in the house. Hang on. Birch Gold. Listen to me and listen good. Do you know how hard it is to get an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau? They don't just hand those out. That tells you what kind of company you're dealing with. That tells you this is a company with a perfect record. And you don't just have to take my word for how important it is to diversify into precious metals you can get a free kit. They'll give you a 20-page kit for free at Birch Gold. There's there's a problem coming financially. You know it, and I know it. Look at that stock market. Look at the debt. Look at the uncertainty out there. Start diversifying. Start buying precious metals and protect yourself. Go to birchgold.com slash jesse. That's B-I-R-C-H gold.com slash Jesse. Go there today. Protect your money. They are battering down the door. The door is weakening. Charles Bent's wife 
grabs his pistols and tries to get him to take them so he will fight back or run away with them because he's just laying there shot in the living room, bent, I guess you can say to his credit, says, no, if I fight back, they're going to kill you all too. I have to let them kill me so you can live. As the door breaks down, the Indians kick their way through the front door at the exact moment they finally tunnel through the wall and the wife starts sending the children through. Can you even imagine that level of terror? And then you're a child tunneling through the wall trying to escape the angry mob and you hear your father scream hang on Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Well... Those kids got to hear their dad scream because the Indians walked in, started filling him with arrows, grabbed him while he was still alive, and scalped him. Didn't happen to finish off the scalping. They left part of his scalp still hanging there. And then, I guess I don't understand how this part happened. But they left him still alive there, probably distracted by looting or doing something else. He manages to actually stumble into the hole his family had dug and crawl through it. The angry mob finds him, shoots him in the face with a bunch of arrows, finishes scalping him, and then carries his scalp away after killing it. That is the Taos uh, Revolt. It was eventually put down. The Mexican-American War had a million of those little stories. But if we're being honest, history itself has a million of those little stories of what happens when the public decides Nobody's protecting them from the bad people. Or what happens when the public decides the people in charge are bad people? What happens when the army packs up and goes to California? I don't know if you're aware what happened in Atlanta last night, so allow me to break it down for you. 
we saw that I think his name's Richard Brooks, Richard Brooks killing from an Atlanta police officer. In case you haven't seen it, this is the real scoop on what happened. He is a multiple felon. He was out on parole. He fell asleep in the drive-through lane of Wendy's. He was so hammered while out on parole driving that he fell asleep, passed out in the drive-through lane of Wendy's. Obviously, they call the cops. The cops show up, give him a field sobriety test, which he fails. While they're cuffing him, he loses his mind. He's a big dude. Loses his mind, starts to wrestle with these two cops. You're wrestling with a big dude in a parking lot in the middle of the night. One of these cops starts shouting warnings, pulls out a taser. Richard Brooks, I don't know if he got tased or not. I don't know those details, but gets a hold of the cop's taser, manages to get up, start running away. The cops pursue him. Richard Brooks points the taser at the cop. Pop, pop. He's dead. Cop kills him. Done. Atlanta, because of this insane environment we have created freaks out burns down that Wendy's sets fire to the place but I mean just completely idiotic and let's do a quick side note here this narrative like police have been running around like a bunch of racist cowboys in America until just you know a couple weeks ago is absolutely absurd Most of these big cities have gone, most people would say, too far as far as this kinder, gentler police work. Atlanta was the model for this. Their police chief was a black black lesbian woman. They went all in with that, reaching out to the community. Atlanta was thought to be the model of this community cop relationship. And you see exactly where that got you. They freak out. They start burning down Atlanta, which brings us to Garrett Wolf. He's the police officer that who fired the shots. Georgia's Fulton County District Attorney, his name is Paul Howard Jr. He is a card-carrying leftist. He's currently under investigation for rampant corruption himself. He decides yesterday to charge Garrett Wolf with 11 felony counts, including first-degree murder, and seek the death penalty against him. Do you understand, even if you disagree with that shoot, Yeah, without any investigation. Even if you disagree with that shoot, most people, especially anybody in law enforcement, agrees with it. If you disagree with it, I would say you're painfully naive, but that's fine. You're allowed to have disagreements. You disagree with that shoot. Nobody on the planet 
thinks that's first degree murder or that cop is going to be committed, you know, going to going to have the death penalty. So what have you done? If you're this idiot DA, well, here's what you've done. You've guaranteed Atlanta is going to burn again because you overcharged the officer trying to look like some kind of hero. You've guaranteed Atlanta is going to burn again when he undoubtedly gets acquitted from all this. That's one. Two, and this is the most important thing, and pay attention here because I have a feeling, you know, there's a reason they call me Jesse the Oracle Kelly. I have a feeling there may be something changing. You have said to the police officers, to the police department in Atlanta, not only do we not have your back, we will come after you even if you defend yourself. We will destroy you. And so what happened in Atlanta last night, I'm sure it's happened before in American history. I don't know of a time, but I'm sure it's happened before. The Atlanta Police Department, large portions of it, walked off the job. Now, they all covered their rear ends. They didn't officially walk off the job. But there are, I believe there are six precincts in Atlanta. Four of them had massive, massive call outs. They're calling it the blue flu, where the police department called in sick. I know several people who have police scanners in Atlanta. And, man, I wish I could have heard this. Precinct 6. Dead silence on the police scanners. The cops did not show up for work. It got so bad last night. They were calling other precincts. The cops who did show up to work, asking them to come to precincts like Precinct 6. And the cops refused to go. Unless unless they, they continue to put out the word, unless there's an officer down, we're not going. This is a huge moment, potentially, in the United States of America. I'm just making a prediction here. I don't know that it's true. This is, to my knowledge, the first time, especially recently, a major institution, and the Atlanta Police Department is a major institution. This is the first time we have seen a pushback against this insane leftist rhetoric. And I have to tell you something, people. And this is going to be hard to hear. Hang on. The Jesse Kelly Show. Each and every time I go to bed at night, I go around, I make sure all the doors are locked. I make sure the alarm is on. I make sure my weapon's where I want it to be. I do these things not because I enjoy it. I don't enjoy a nice trip around the house in the dark when I'm tired and just want to go to sleep. I do these things because the security of my family 
means enough to me to do it. So why would I take all that time, do all that, and then let them get online and completely expose them to all the dangers of it? Let them just completely hang their personal information out there for a bad person to snatch it up and abuse them with it. I wouldn't. So I got ExpressVPN. Get ExpressVPN. Start being anonymous online. Go to expressvpn.com slash jesse. That's expressvpn.com slash jesse. Gets you three months free on a one-year package. All right, tell me how this food order sounds, Chris. I've got queso on there. I'm a little concerned about the queso. The picture looks good, but I'm almost positive that's cilantro I see on there. Now, you're, you know, you shrug your shoulders like it's nothing because you're an idiot. Cilantro, Chris, is disgusting. And if you're one of these people, who likes cilantro, just know that I think less of you as a person. What? See, you said you don't like it. You said you don't mind it. Here's the deal. I'm told this is actually scientific. And if someone wants to look this up for me so I don't have to do research for my own show, I'd appreciate it. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I'm told this is scientific, but you are... Born with it. It's something to do with your genes, the cilantro thing. I'm not kidding. It's something, I don't remember the percentages, so I'll just make one up completely. It's something like 10% of the population. It tastes like soap to them, and it's how the body is made. So how about that, Chris? Dropping a little knowledge on you. Anyway, back to my food order. Sorry, people. I'll get back to it in a second. I'm busy ordering food. I'm starving. I got six... Chorizo, egg, and cheese breakfast tacos. I got two for producer Chris, two for personal assistant Mitchell, two for me. Chips and queso. I'm worried about the cilantro. Man, I feel like we're missing something. Oh, and I got a quesadilla too. I mean, it's breakfast. Who doesn't have a quesadilla for breakfast? Oh, that reminds me. So last night, I'll get back to my news story in a second. Last night, my buddy... Tell me this isn't the best capitalism thing you've ever heard in your life. My buddy, it's his birthday yesterday in the neighborhood. And he throws a big, big, big neighborhood party for his birthday. I mean, everybody shows up. Everybody, you know how it works. Everybody brings a bottle of wine, says hi, has a drink, eats, leaves. This service down here, this lady, she has come up with this system. She brings a street taco set up. To a house. I think it's like $300 for three hours. So it's a lot of money. But I, I, like I said, I would charge people to do it. I, I mean, I'm never going to pay $300 to have this set up. But if you're having a huge party, or if you're, if, I mean, if you have a bunch of money, it makes sense. She shows up. This lady shows up with her kid. This Mexican lady shows up with her kid. Sets up this huge flat top grill. And this huge uh, other table with all these different onions and picos. And they had, like, sliced cactus and all these habanero peppers on one. And then she had another table set up where she made, made fresh tortillas 
and then had all this different pork and beef, and she would make you Mexican street tacos to order at the party. And, I mean, the whole setup was like six feet by six feet. And the funniest thing about this was the lady could not have been any meaner if she tried. She was the least personable, most unfriendly lady ever. My buddy uh, Luis and I, is uh, we go out there right when we get to the party. She's out there cooking, and she's out there cooking with her kid. And we want to be polite, you know, so we go out there and walk up to the lady. We're like, "Hey, what are you? What's going on? What's 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 for? You know, what are we having tonight? Well, I'm tacos." Oh, okay. Uh, that's uh, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Just like glaring at us, like, please get away from me, you idiots. I'm not done yet. And so we walk off like, all right. I mean, the lady takes her food, takes her food very seriously. So she was very unfriendly. However, it may have been the best thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. I'm not even making that up. It was phenomenal. What, Chris? $300. Now, like I said, that's a lot of money unless you consider this. I would say there were... 50, 60 people at that party, and those those 50, 60 people ate like kings for three hours. I may have gone back two or three times. She even made these homemade quesadillas with the homemade tortilla she put in front of you, and oh, and they had this great green salsa. Oh, gosh, it was so freaking good. What, Chris? Now I'm starving. Starving. All right. Back to what I was talking about before. Something you're not going to want to hear. A lot of why you feel abandoned and surrounded right now in this society. And I know you do. I do. I feel it. I see it. I look around. It feels hopeless. Now, remember, there's no such thing as hopeless, but that's how it feels. It can. It, you can easily get there right now. It's not because of the left. The left has been like this for a long, long time. The reason you feel surrounded and hopeless right now, because the Republican Party, which was your last defense, has abandoned you too. People don't want to hear this. I don't want to say it. But I want you to do me a favor before you get mad. I want you to think about the last three months. Oh, these lockdowns are, they're destroying my business. They cost me my job. And I know you've gone through it. I've seen my emails you sent me. And you're welcome to send them. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. These, these Democrat lockdowns. Brother, that is revisionist history. Those lockdowns were pushed at least initially, by Republicans from the President of the United States and virtually every other one on down. Yeah, but Democrats made it worse. Yes, of course. Democrats are tyrants. Of course they made it worse. No question about that. You cannot hang this economic destruction. We have another 1.5 million unemployment claims this week. You cannot hang this kind of economic destruction only on Democrats, your Republican Party, your governors, your president, your senators, your Congress, were all about that lockdown life. Oh, they changed their minds once they finally woke up and realized uh, we're wrecking America. 
But that was Republican. And when it comes to police reform, a death in Minneapolis, murder, whatever you want to call it, it was horrific. Do you know that to this day, there's still not an ounce of evidence that that cop killed George Floyd in Minneapolis because of his race? Nothing. Not a thing. No ex-girlfriend popping up to say this cop's a, a racist dude. Nothing. Absolutely zero. Now, I want you to think about what we've seen for, what, three weeks now in America? Burning down half the country over racism because of a false narrative? And that would be bad enough, except guess what is sailing through Congress as we speak? Guess what the President of the United States will sign? A federal police reform bill. So we just decided we were going to let the leftists decide every narrative, control everything, the reason people feel abandoned and surrounded is because the one group of people who were generally somewhat sane and would have their back, they've abandoned us. We have that Senator Tim Scott up there with Mitch McConnell's backing and Donald Trump will sign it. Pushing for federal police reforms? Why do we need a federal law? And if there are police reforms needed in any given jurisdiction, that jurisdiction can enact those reforms. What? What? A new federal law? You're telling me the same idiots in charge of the FBI are going to oversee local police departments? Is that, that's what you're telling me? And again, let me come back to this. That's the GOP. Uh-oh. Did you know you can legally move your IRA or 401k out of risky stocks and bonds and into a precious metals IRA? Did you know that? You can get a free kit on that and everything else at Birch Cold and understand something. Precious metals are worth something now. They were worth something yesterday. They were worth something 3,000 years ago and they'll be worth something 3,000 years from now. I think I would go ahead and trust the thing that's always been worth something over a market that goes up and goes down and goes up and goes down. Diversify. Spread your money around. Protect your financial future. You do not want to be flat, broken, busted at 60 because of the stock market. Go to birchgold.com slash jesse. That's B-I-R-C-H gold.com slash jesse. Go protect your financial future. Joining me now to discuss systemic racism and police work is a man who did a little research on it, friend of the show, former Green Beret, president of the Security Studies Group, Jim Hansen. Jim, 
Do we have a bunch of racist cops running around this country? I don't think so. And the interesting thing is, as you're well aware, there is an epidemic of killings of unarmed black people by the police. I mean, that's an, that's an indisputed fact if you listen to the media or if you catch the discussion going on around the country right now. The problem is, and when we looked into the two questions, you know, the two issues you just brought up, there does not seem to be a correlation between the killings that police do and the race of the victim. That's not apparently the most probable cause. And I think that's something that is, is right now a very important thing for people to know. The very reason that Black Lives Matter and the rest are claiming this is the most important thing that we must all deal with is that racist cops are shooting unarmed black people. And that just does not appear to be the case. What did you do? You did some digging into this, didn't you? We've got a, a very smart guy who works for me. He is a, a PhD, um, and he did basically a statistical analysis using all of the best available um, numbers on who was killed by police and what the circumstances were and what the factors were relating to that, both from the police side and the victim side, to see what were the likely you know, reasons that it happened and what were the things around it. And what it turned out to be is the things that are most likely to get you shot by police, and this is going to come as a shock to some people, is attempting to kill a police officer is number one. <laughs> that you know, three-quarters of the incidents where police shoot anybody is because that person was attempting to kill a police officer. Um, the second largest that, correlation— no, Hold on, hold on. I just want to clarify. It is illegal to attempt to kill a police officer, right? Um, I think so. Did they yeah. change that? I no, I just— Look, attempts underway to change that. I wasn't sure. I mean, look, anymore, I just wasn't sure. What if I'm really upset about something, though, Jim? Is that is then is it okay? Or— you know, if your feelings are hurt at a high enough level and you've been told that, you know, everything in your life is a mess, yes, you can, you can do whatever you want. Um, now, here's the interesting piece that I, I think no one wants to talk about. The second uh, factor that correlated to, to getting killed by the police was living in a neighborhood with a ton of violent crime. So, again, who knew that Hold living on. in a neighborhood where people are killing and shooting and, and robbing each other – leads to incidents with the police that may end up with the police killing someone. Hold on. I'm trying to connect the dots here, Jim. I'm sorry. So are you telling me that areas with lots of criminals end up having more contact with police than areas without lots of criminals? Is that what you're trying to say? I think I'm saying that. And you know what hmm. the solution is, though? I, I read this in the newspaper the uh, the other day. Mm -hmm. The solution <laughs> is to get rid of the cops. Yes, yes. Because if you get rid of the well, cops. Yes. They won't run into these criminals, and the criminals won't try to kill the cops, Boom. and the cops then won't kill the criminals. That's Problem brilliant. solved. It's brilliant. That's, I know. How did we – Jim, what percentage of the public I, – I know we've lost the culture war. I don't pretend that we're losing it. I know we've lost it. I know we've lost the media, entertainment. We've lost the feds. We've lost it all. I get that. But the general public – what percentage of them do you think are buying this crap, and what percentage aren't? You know, I think this is the, the best thing we have coming up is we're about to almost have a referendum on that in November. 
because the, it's going to be very hard for people to look at this situation and not be voting on that very topic. It's hard to poll. You know, I don't believe any polls. I don't think you do either, because people from our side generally either won't answer a poll or aren't going to tell them anything. So polls constantly underrepresent the views of people on the right. Um, but I think what we're going to find out is what number of people believe that the blue state city policing and government model where you get looting and riots and where we're going to eliminate the police and where, you know, nothing is anybody's fault is the model we want to follow. Or the red state model where people are given freedom and liberty and they're allowed to, you know, do as well as they can based on their uh, abilities and effort and energy is the model they want to follow. And I, I am kind of hopeful. You know, as bad as things look, I am hopeful that that referendum in November is going to come out in our favor. Let me ask you something, Jim. What? When do we get accountability for what's going to take place after? I mean, I can't help but feel like it's basically a guarantee. These cities, and I love some of these cities. I'm not one of these anti-city guys. These cities are going to be absolute wastelands of crime. And nobody is going to take accountability for it when in three, four, five years from now, the murder, violent crime rates in these places skyrocket. They eliminated plainclothes cops from New York City, for Pete's sake. I know. And one of the other things we found in in our study was that from about 1985, when violent crime was at its modern peak, to the current time, both the level of police spending went up about 35%, and the level of violent crime went down about 35%. Weird. You know, I, I just I don't understand how that could be, because obviously I've been told that the police are the problem, and if we got, just got rid of them, we wouldn't have crime. Well, we would not have crime. We just wouldn't have crime reported because there was no one alive to report it. So I, I think what's going to happen is these places are going to see that their, their solution is not the solution to the actual problem. The problem is not the police. The problem is the criminals. And they don't want to admit that. So they're trying to deflect blame onto the police for having to deal with the people who are the actual problem. And, you know, that, again, that was not a racial issue. It's a question of criminality. And if you take the race out of it, it was not a black and white issue. And we also found another shocking thing when they wanted to claim it was racist cops. White cops shoot black people less than black cops and Hispanic cops. Why do you so, think I mean, that you is? Do? How, you think that's, that's a weird racism. Yeah, that's a very weird racism. Do you think that simply comes down to, man, if I pull this trigger, I know I'm going to have to hear about it? I think that's an, uh, that's an element of it. And so we have essentially created a situation now where I don't understand how a cop gets up in the morning, straps on body armor and says, I'm going to go out and put my body on the line, my life on the line, you know, and potentially leave my family without a, a breadwinner to keep this country, to keep this neighborhood safe when the leaders and, and the people are saying, no, actually, you're the problem. So we've made it more dangerous for them. And now we've shown them that if they do anything that someone doesn't like, not necessarily wrong, it's now political, it's not right or wrong. These are not shoot, don't shoot, easy calls. This is, did you do something that's going to cause the leaders of your city political problems? If so, you are going under the bus, buddy. And I don't understand how you get up and do that. Why do they still do it, Jim? Why has every cop not walked out? Or is that really where we're headed anyway? You know, I... uh 
I said maybe a blue flu is not the worst idea just to show people what a world without police actually looks like. Because there's a lot of people talking a lot of smack saying we don't need cops, get rid of them, they're all bad. You know, that's, that's an obscene thing to say, given the, the tiny percentage of police overall who are bad apples. And the fact that everyone else gets you know, kept safe by their sacrifice. But just the idea, okay, let's take them out of play. You really think that's going to go your way? Mm. The people saying that are the ones least able to defend themselves. And it's easy to talk smack online. It's a lot harder to do that than when you get into your skull smashed into the pavement by people who don't like you. Jim Hansen, Security Studies Group. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure, Jesse. Be good, brother. Think about what he just said, and then think about what you've seen across the country for the past few weeks. This is what I've been arguing. Hang on. Just watched a video. I'll not be posting this one on the Twitter account because it is not family friendly. Of an Antifa guy, an Antifa group approaching the wrong American. It was in New Mexico. They decided they were going to gang up on this man in the middle of the road. The man just looked like a normal dude. Shorts, short sleeve shirt on. These thugs decided they were going to try to hurt him. And one of them's laying down in the middle of the road with bullet holes in him. Remember this, people. There is a reason, there is a reason this absolute chaos and anarchy you're seeing in America is taking place in the places it's taking place. It's not an accident they're burning down Atlanta, Minneapolis, New York City, so on and so forth. Do you know why? Because nobody there is armed because you're not allowed to be. There's a reason all these people have chosen to stay away from the rural areas. Your best protection. We don't like to think about it. Many of you don't like to think about it. But the truth is this. The real protection you have in your life is having a weapon and knowing how to use it. And hopefully you never do have to use it. Let's hope that day never ever comes. But you need one now. I have been stressing this to you for a while. I'm not going to back off of this. I don't know what the future holds. I also 
seriously, seriously doubt it's going to be all sunshine and rainbows. We probably have some rough times ahead of us here. The time for you to purchase a weapon and learn to use it safely first. First, you take a safety class. Then you move on to other things. Learn to use it safely and then learn to be fast and deadly with it. That time is right now. And I understand there is a chance you're listening to this and your heart rate is already raising at the thought of having to do this because weapons scare you because you're unfamiliar with them. And that's universal. People who hate guns or are scared of guns are always people who are unfamiliar with them. That's just the way it is. You don't have a choice anymore. You do not have a choice anymore. As various parts of this society break off, break down, whatever form it's going to take, whether it's just local unrest, which I suspect it will be, whether it's grander than that. I mean, let's let's not go full conspiracy theory here. World is ending thing. But let's be honest again. Remember, countries breaking up, countries breaking apart is not some radical concept. It is the history of the world. Period. Let's keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. You need a weapon. And this part is going to be even more difficult. Ladies, you too. Oh, the hubby, the hubby got a shotgun by the bed. It's fine. No, 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 ma'am. No, ma'am. You are prey. You are the meaning of vulnerable out there. And as, as law enforcement gets kinder, kinder and gentler, has to be more hands-off, you had better be ready to defend yourself. And here's something else. I can't do it for you, but you're going to have to make this decision right now, not when it happens. What are you prepared to do to defend yourself? Are you ready If it's your life or his life to pull that trigger, mentally, are you ready? Not just bravado, not just absolutely. Are you ready to put two in him and watch him die? You're not shooting him in the leg. That's the movies. You're not going to shoot it in the air and scare him. You pull it. You be ready to use it. Are you ready? Didn't mean to get dark and heavy here. But let's be honest, this world going a little batty. I don't see that getting better anytime soon. Not before November, not after November. Let's say Trump gets reelected. What do you think the left is going to do for the next four years? Look at what they did for the first four. What do you think they're going to do for the next four? The time is now. The time for you to protect yourself is now. Your first step, go to the local range, 
take a gun safety course. Hang on. jessekellyshow.com we talk about issues all the time on my show sometimes it's food sometimes it's political we talk history every day you know all that but you know the most amazing thing about it we talk about people's lives and how they lived you know you spend one third of your life in bed we don't discuss that much do we that's a lot 33 percent of your life is spent doing one thing laying in bed Why would you waste that? Why would you waste that time laying in bed, staring at the ceiling, praying that you'll fall asleep again one day? Get an ebb sleep and spend that 33% of your life the way it's supposed to be used, sleeping, recharging your batteries, getting you ready to take on the next day. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the code jesse at checkout. Get 25 bucks off. So we just found out Chris is colorblind. If it sounds like I'm eating, it's because I am eating. This is the most professional show on the radio. And part of being the most professional show on the radio means we eat breakfast tacos during the show. All right? That's how I provide you the hard-hitting commentary I provide you. Now, allow us to talk just for a moment about what our future may hold here. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. House to vote on DC statehood. Here's something that's always an argument when it comes to nations like ours, nations that are banking on 
votes in elected nations. You're always trying to get more of your people than they are. You're always doing what you can. Remember yesterday when we talked about the beginnings of the Mexican-American War and how all that mess led directly to the Civil War and what was the big concern about it? The South was extremely concerned that the North was going to take control of these states and make them non-slave states, and then the non-slave states were going to abolish slavery, which, of course, they were. The North was extremely concerned that the South was going to take control of these states and make them slave states and continue the practice of slavery, which half the country was rightly mortified by. The Civil War was pretty much fought over that balance. The South seceded over that balance. These battles, the reasons for them may change, but the battles remain the same. The next next frontier for Democrats and their effort to gain a permanent majority is making Washington, D.C., and Puerto Rico a state. I wouldn't mind that because that's just simple political gamesmanship. Everyone knows why they want to make D.C. a state. If Washington, D.C. was 92% Republican instead of 92% Democrat, you'd never see this effort. But here's what bothers me the most. If Washington, D.C. was 92% Republican, you still wouldn't have any Republicans pushing to make it a state. You see, leftists are better at politics because it is a religion to them. It is a religion to them. They live it. They eat, sleep, and breathe it. It is everything to them. Republicans? I mean, it's it's a gentlemanly competition. Look, we're going to get along when the cameras are off. What's the big deal? For them, it's a blood sport. For us? It's, it's a game of hoops. That's the difference. You have people like Senator Marco Rubio who have openly, in the past, openly pushed to make Puerto Rico a state, joining with the Democrats. Everybody knows why the Democrats want to do that. Everybody with half a brain knows. Um, Puerto Rico is going to vote all Democrat. What, what, what are you talking about? And, of course, well, we want to. Look, it's the right thing to do. Don't we just want to do the right thing? Plus, those people are probably going to be so grateful, they'll switch and go Republican. Is honestly the dumbest, most naive thinking in the world. And here's my issue with people like Marco Rubio, with people like my former pastor. You're so nice, you're a liability. And you don't want to admit this. You don't. But the truth of the matter is this. This world was not built by nice men. 
What do you want for yourself? What do you want for your kids? Do you want your children to accomplish something great that will live on through the ages? Or do you want them to be really, really nice? My former pastor, somebody sent me some stuff he's still going off about. We have to listen and find out about our white privilege. And it's just, it's really important that we that we find out how privileged we are. And look, it's our collective duty to, and this is not one of these card-carrying lefty commies. He's just too nice. He's just too nice for this day and age, for this time. In his mind, I mean, if we just apologize a little more, everything will be fine because he doesn't understand what he's facing. So let me ask again, what do you want for yourself? What do you want for your kids if the choice is to be really, really nice or to change the world, to build the world, to leave a legacy? Look around you. I'm looking out the window right now at skyscrapers of corporations. The men on top of those corporations, do you think those are nice men? The men who conquered the West. Remember those hatchets to the face I talked about earlier in the show? Those men got up the next day and they went out and murdered people for that. But those men also built the West. There is no West without them. The railroads. Everybody knows the great railroad wars when there's a big competition. Do you know how awful those people were? That great general you admire, whoever it may be. Patton. You get lots of people play uh, say Patton. Um, Patton was a jerk. And don't get me wrong, he's one of my favorite people of all time because I don't mind jerks. I am a jerk. But Patton, remember, got in trouble for walking into a, uh, a hospital tent, and there's some dude there with severe PTSD, and Patton loses his mind and just slaps the crap out of him. But you want to beat the Nazis, you need a man like Patton. Do you see what I mean? We are going to have to adjust our thinking on the right. We are going to have to adjust things we want. We're going to have to be more aggressive. We're going to have to be aggressive in an opposite way the Democrats are aggressive. I mean standing for opposite things. And you know what that means? It means doing things that is going to make the media scream at you. For instance, in the wake of a police shooting, when... All of the media, all of Hollywood, major, major institutions in our society have decided that cops are the bad guys. Even corporations, everybody's decided cops are the bad guys. And Democrats immediately produce some bill trying to regulate federal, you know, federally trying to regulate law enforcement. When you're the GOP, you don't listen to Tim Scott and create your own police reform bill. It means you stand up. And you produce a bill with more funding for cops. It says, screw you to everybody. We love cops. And you call it the Cops Are Great Act. 
and you take all the heat in the world and you raise not one but two gigantic middle fingers to anybody who doesn't like it. And the press will yell and the press will scream. And if you don't back down, they will. Do you know why Donald Trump's poll numbers are sinking? Do you know why he's in trouble as of right now? It's not because Joe Biden's great. Joe Biden is an idiot. And God forbid that guy actually get elected. It's because Donald Trump has spent three straight months hiding. He spent three straight months Governing from fear. I'm scared about two million dead Americans. I'm scared to look bad to black people. I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. Instead of being the bold leader he was elected to be. Oh, and I have something to say about that. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Express VPN. Make sure your family isn't exposed. And look, here's the truth. There are really, really, really bad people that exist in that digital world, just like the real world. And what they do is they prowl around looking for information, little snippets of information they can use to abuse you, to rip you off, to abuse your spouse, to abuse your kids. You don't need that in your life. I don't need that in my life. They can financially ruin you. It's just a whole new world out there. And anytime you're on the Internet in your house, you are exposed unless you have ExpressVPN. If you have ExpressVPN, 100% of your data is encrypted. Your IP address, totally anonymous. That's peace of mind. That's extra security. Go to expressvpn.com slash jesse. That's expressvpn.com slash jesse. Gets you three months free on a one-year package. Conservatives urge Trump to halt coronavirus spending. Let's let's be clear about something when, when it comes to what happened to Trump. What's happening with Trump? Donald Trump is a man who values loyalty above anything else, and I have no issue with that. He's a business guy, those guys in that world. I mean, in the in the wealth and power world, it is very, very difficult to find people you can trust. It just is. I mean, you've seen how many people have walked out and knifed him in the back, right off the bat. John Bolton's doing it as we speak, of course. Has to write a tell-all book. Has to, I mean, they're thinking about pressing charges, his book's so bad. It's just the norm. We'll get to that in a minute. He's a man who values loyalty. We know before he was ever a politician, before he was ever running for president, Donald Trump leaned hard on his daughter, Ivanka, who is, by all accounts, extremely capable, extremely intelligent. His daughter, Ivanka, her husband, Jared Kushner. That's great in the private world. Since he's gotten to be president, and this has only gotten worse, the more people who have screwed Trump over, 
He's leaned on her more and more as everyone else around him screws him over. Now, that wouldn't be a problem, except Ivanka Trump is a card-carrying Democrat. And virtually every pickle, every pickle Donald Trump finds himself in with his base, screwing over the people who elected him, There are people in the White House who say it is directly because of Jared and Ivanka. The truth is this. Trump's instincts are generally pretty spot on when it comes to what people want. He continues to lean on people who do not agree with you and me. When he's in the private real estate world, lean on Ivanka all day long. Politically, In this world, where the leftists are trying to eat us alive, you got to stop. And now we have Mitch McConnell, Donald Trump, talking about more coronavirus spending. $2 trillion more of coronavirus spending. Republican or Democrat? This level of spending is how nations end. You realize we're running a $4 trillion deficit this year already before another spending bill. They're talking about a $1 trillion infrastructure bill. They're talking about a $2 trillion coronavirus spending bill. This is a disaster. The last one they signed was an absolute unmitigated disaster. This is financial ruin And here's, again, the uncomfortable thing. It's been an uncomfortable day. This is taking place under a Republican president and with a Republican Senate. And I've loved so much of what Donald Trump has done as president. But two major, major holes in his presidency is, one, his hiring practices, which are absolutely indefensible. He has made some embarrassing hiring decisions and has been burned repeatedly because of it. And two, Donald Trump doesn't care about that. To his credit, he never campaigned on being a fiscal conservative. At least he has that different from other Republicans who act like they are and then screw us over. But Donald Trump does not view debt as being a big deal. There is a way of thinking out there that debt isn't a big deal. I consider that to be the most asinine historically illiterate way of looking at things, but a lot of people believe that, and Donald Trump is one of them. Thinks we can absolutely hold interest rates low forever, print trillions of unbacked dollars, and the dollar will never lose its value, and there will never be a price to pay for that. And I find that to be absolutely ludicrous, but that is how they think. And Donald Trump looks at a down economy Looks at these unemployment numbers. We now have the stock market going down today, as I told you it would. He looks at this and thinks we can spend our way out of it, just like Barack Obama did. Which makes the economy more unstable. Makes the recovery much, much, much more painful. It just doesn't work. And this is taking place at a time where the enemies of this country 
They're smelling blood. And why wouldn't they be? You know, we just intercepted eight Russian warplanes near Alaska for the fourth time in one week. Now, is Russia any threat to us? No. I mean, we've always overblown the Russia thing because people live in the old days. This is not the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. People, Russia is painted rust. The Russian economy is the size of Texas's economy. Russia's not in our league. Not in our league. Now, they're, they're a, a strong little brother, but they're very, very much little brother. China's the one you have to worry about. So, no, China, Russia's not going to red dawn us and start parachuting Russian troops onto the shores, you know, and taking over. They're not. But the weaker we look... The crazier it gets here, this is the nature of man. The vultures are going to start to circle. They're going to start to poke at us a little bit. They're going to start to prod a little bit. They're going to see. You see, we all like to convince ourselves that America is this shining city on a hill and everybody just wants to be here. And the truth of the matter is we are and have been a shining city on a hill, but oftentimes when you're living in a shanty, you do not look at the shining city on a hill and say, I want to move there. You look at the shining city on a hill and say, I would like to burn that down. They are circling people. They are watching. They are watching as we allow the leftists to rip this country to shreds. They're circling as we allow these weak invertebrates on the Republican side to allow it and in some cases encourage it. They're watching. What do you think China thinks when they look at the false narrative of a racist police shooting? They watch American cities burn and they watch both parties Produce a police reform bill. China is sitting there laughing in their egg drop soup right now. They think this is absolutely wonderful. And so this is what I'm, this is where I'm at. This country needs a leader. I want that leader to be Donald Trump. He's already president of the United States. I want him to wake up and realize it. I want the Donald Trump of 2016 back. I don't know who this Donald Trump is. But if he's not willing or able to do it, then I want someone else to step up and do it. We need leadership in the United States of America. There is a massive vacuum right now for bold leadership on the in the GOP. A massive vacuum. People are hungering for it. You should see my emails. If you missed any part of the show, the whole show will be available on iHeart, Google, Spotify. It's available on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Make sure you leave a five-star review and talk about how handsome I am in the comments. You are not going to want to miss our next guest. Hang on.
Ebb Sleep. Ebb Sleep is, well, it changes everything. There's just not a better way to put it. The life you get to live when you're sleeping eight hours a night versus the life you live when you're sleeping four, it's drastic. I know I'm not alone. I'm probably speaking to you in this. When you lay down at night and you want to go to sleep, but oh, the day was so stressful. I'm thinking about the wife, thinking about the work, thinking about kids, thinking about the world, thinking about tomorrow, and you can't turn your mind off. And sooner or later, you're staring at the clock, and it's 3 a.m., and you know in that moment, oh, man, tomorrow's going to suck. You don't have to do that anymore. There's a solution. Go get an ebb sleep. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code jesse at checkout. Chris, have I ever told you about the time where I fell out of the hammock in the Thailand jungle? Have I ever told you that story before? So here's what happened. In the Marine Corps, they're always giving you different kinds of training. Now, it's more of one of those jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none things. They want to make sure you're vaguely familiar with the basics of fighting in all kinds of terrain. They don't know where the next war is going to be. So they'll send you to winter warfare training. They'll send you to mountain warfare training. Desert, we got all kinds of that because I was stationed in the desert, which sucked, but that's another story. They do jungle warfare training. Now, you need to understand this about the jungle. The jungle is the worst freaking place on earth. They all offer their own challenges, mountains, winter, all these other things. The jungle is awful because everything's alive. Everything's so uncomfortable. The jungle is awful because it adds a level of discomfort that is not there other places. You get weird rashes because everything's wet all the time. You have... Well, I'll just be frank with you. Leeches, a lot of them. You have gigantic poisonous animals, big ones. And when we went to Okinawa, we went over to Thailand for training they still do over there called Cobra Gold. And you do all these different jungle warfare things. And at the end of it, you have this long, I think it's four or five days, if I remember right, exercise where you... You go humping into the hills and you hack your way through the jungle and you don't come out for four or five days. And, well, it's the jungle. And back to the leeches really quickly. You like to imagine leeches as just these things, you know, some guy in a swamp crawls in and crawls out with leeches. Oh, that happened. Don't get me wrong. But leeches are everywhere and leeches will hang off the leaves And they'll grab you on the way by. They'll hang off the leaves and grab you on the way by. When you get 
to stopping points, you have to take down your pants to make sure none of them have crawled up and attached themselves to your nether regions, which happened several times. Are you understanding how terrible this is? You have to fold up uh, tobacco, like rolled up uh, cigarette tobacco, loose tobacco. You have to roll it up in the bottom of your trousers to avoid the leeches crawling up there. It actually keeps the leeches from doing it. Yes, that is jungle warfare training. I tell you what, we'll come right back to this. Let's go to my buddy Nick Guy, Green Beret Nick Guy, and a guy who's way, way, way boned up because of the Ghost Orchid Coalition on human trafficking. Nick, I think people are under the impression that slavery is gone, and it is very much not gone. Oh, no, Jesse, it's not. And the problem is it's become it's, – it's taken on a, a whole other form. And it's, it's not the form when you think about textbooks and you think about, you know, our, our history as a nation or, or human history in general um, and how we view slavery. But today it is very much alive. It is very much prolific. And because it's taken this new shape – I don't think most people realize exactly what they're looking at, but you're absolutely correct. It it is human slavery. What is the new shape? I mean, the new shape can take on multiple forms. It can appear in in a couple of different ways. Uh, The the most obvious is what we're seeing, like coming out of Libya, the Middle East, Eastern Europe. Um, Those are actual people who children who are abducted, they are taken away from their families, they are pumped through a system that is full of drugs and very powerful people who take advantage and buy and sell flesh like any other commodity. Here in the United States, it's a little more subtle. Um, A lot of human traffickers reach out to communities, they reach out to schools, they find Victims who don't necessarily fit a profile, they don't necessarily go after high-risk individuals anymore. They start molding and grooming young children by offering them drugs, parties, booze. And then these bad actors can really just kind of sneak their way into these communities. And before these girls know it, they're hooked on heroin. They're hooked on meth. And the only way they're going to get their next fix is if they do what their handlers are telling them to do. And unfortunately, that is a, that is a form of human slavery. It is. I've heard this before. Is drugs are are they a a critical role in almost all of this? I would say I, I'd say in the majority of cases they are. It, it's a it's a control measure that's that's used to keep victims compliant, keep them in the system, you know, because they're not, especially here in America, when we think of of human trafficking, these girls, these victims, they aren't necessarily locked away. They're not in cages, but the drug kind of acts as that cage. It keeps them with their handlers. It keeps them with their groomers. So I I would say, especially here in the United States, yes, drugs are an integral part of, of the human trafficking cycle. 
Who are, I, I'm sure there's a million different answers to this, but who are these men who do this? Is this organized crime? Is it some local gang, a combination of both of these powerful men? Who are these people? I mean, again, it, it depends on where we're looking geographically. Here in the United States, uh, I wouldn't say organized crime in the sense of how we view organized crime, like the mob, mafia, things like that. So their racket was prostitution, which is very different from human trafficking. But we are seeing transnational crime syndicates, MS-13 cartels, that are expanding their operations into human trafficking. Uh, the, the, the payout for, for, a, for a young victim is much larger than a shipment of cocaine or marijuana or yeah. methamphetamine. So we're starting to see these transnational uh, crime syndicates definitely branch out. In, in Eastern Europe, yes, it's, it's more of the mob. But a lot of times we're seeing, even, even in my, my private sector work in financial crime investigations, we're seeing just individuals kind of taking, I, I don't want to use the word entrepreneurial spirit, but yeah, I mean, people with no connection to crime getting into this game. They realize that's a very profitable game. So, yeah, you might see uh, an MS-13 member or a cartel member doing this, but more and more we're seeing kind of just everyday Americans getting into this business because it's it's that lucrative. It's it's sickening. Man, that is... Uh... Nick, where can people find out more about this stuff? I just I, I love having you on because it's an issue I'm passionate about. Where can people find out more about maybe even what to look for in their own daughters if they're starting to get worried, own sons? Yeah, so there's a couple of different uh, tools that, that people can utilize. One is our, our website, Ghost Orchid Coalition or ghostorchidco.org, uh, where you can learn a little bit more about the human cycling uh, or human trafficking cycle. Uh, the United States government actually puts out some decent, uh, some decent products in terms of that. Uh, there's a, God, there's 12 different other large counter human trafficking organizations that do a really good job. One of my all time favorite is Operation Underground Railroad. Yeah, Check them too. out because they have done a, a great job tracking these bad actors and really creating profiles on who to look for. Nick Guy, thank you so much, my man. Appreciate what you do. Thank you for everything. Thanks, brother. Be good. That Operation Underground Railroad is legit. I know those people. They're legit. Hang on. Your phone is disgusting. I am sorry. It is. I wish it wasn't. I wish mine wasn't. But step step back for a moment and think about what your phone goes through in one day. Just one day. Think about all the places you set it down. Think about all the things you touch. Doorknobs, pens, tabletops, whatever. Hands you've shaken. Then you touch your phone. Then you set it down again. Then you touch your phone. Then you talk into it. Then you set it down again. All day long. Now that's one day. Now add up two days, three days, four days. When's the last time you disinfected your phone? Don't lie to me. Be honest. It's been a while, hasn't it? Now are you starting to understand why your phone has so much bacteria? Get a clean phone pro, disinfects it with UVC lights. 
Go to AmericaFirstShop.com and get a clean phone pro. Don't forget to use the code JESSE at checkout. You get free two-day FedEx shipping. The jungle sucks. On top of the leeches that you have to burn off of your nether regions and legs. and I'm not kidding. You have to. I want you to picture this. You want to talk about getting close with your buddy? When you stop, you have to drop your pants and your buddies help you check your body for leeches. I'm not joking. That's the jungle. I mean, I should just point out one part of the selection process for the British SAS, which may be the baddest dudes on the planet. We based a lot of our Navy SEAL model off of the British SAS. Part of their selection process is heavy, heavy, heavy jungle time. They'll just throw you in a miserable jungle because it's horrible. On top of the leeches, there are poisonous snakes. We saw cobras pass right in front of us. There are centipedes that are... A foot long, eight, nine inches long. There are spiders the size of my hand, and I have humongous hands. I'm 6'8". And you'll walk, and you'll look to the left, and there'll just be some gigantic spider web, five foot in diameter, with a huge spider in the middle of it. And you think to yourself, I have descended into the seventh circle of hell. And the jungle smells. Not only is it hot and horribly humid, because so often the sun can't get clear down to the jungle floor to bake off everything. Things, when they die there, they fall to the jungle floor and they just wet rot. You'll smell it even still when you're there for two or three days. You're like, this place just stinks. Have you ever been to... Have you ever been to the mountains in any way, Chris? What's the highest you've ever been? Quit. Be mature. What's the highest you've ever been? 5,000 feet. So you, was that on a mountain? All right. Well, you wouldn't know if you've, unless you've actually been up in the mountains or something like that. You can, you can smell it. It's clean. You can smell the fact this air is clear and clean. You know it is. Whatever the polar opposite of that is, that's the jungle. You can, you can smell its rotted filth. There were tiger claw marks on some of the trees. This was, uh, the jungle sucks. Oh, and did I mention mosquitoes? Malaria-carrying mosquitoes everywhere. Getting mosquito bites is how you live your life. It is a way of living. You try to keep as much bug stuff on you as possible. But some of that bug stuff they gave us, I'm not exaggerating. It would melt the canteen if you got some of it on there. The bug stuff you rub into your skin would melt the canteen. And I already mentioned the heat and humidity, but I need to bring this up again. One of my buddies... I, was, I bet you he went out drinking the night before or something like that, so he dehydrated himself. One of my buddies didn't last the first day until they gave him the silver bullet. 
Do you know what the silver bullet is, Chris? Allow me to elaborate, Chris. You see, ladies and gentlemen, part of being in the infantry means you have to hump your gear. You have to go on long, they call them force marches, humps, hikes, whatever you want to call them. We call them humps. You put on an insane amount of weight and you walk really fast. And that's how you get from place to place. Armies have been doing forced marches since there have been armies. It's part of it. And I will tell you this. It is the most mentally and physically brutal thing you will ever do in your life. Speaking of selection, like part of Delta Force, everybody knows Delta Force, that tip of the spear, anti-terrorism, the, the best guys in the world. Part of A huge part of their selection is just that. Here's a bunch of weight on your back. There's the hills. Go start walking around. And God's will just quit. Your body breaks down. I, at the end of one hump one time, we did a long one in Kuwait, and we were planning on going into Iraq. I had a, a, a kind of a, it was just, it was, it was an odd placement of the pack that day. When we finished, and it was so hot, we had guys passing out all over the place. When we finished, they had to lay me down on my stomach and your undershirt, your skivvy shirt, they had to peel mine off of my back because the blood had matted and dried it onto my back. Peeled it off. It's just physically brutal. It'll break your body down. And because it's so physically brutal, it sucks the water out of you. You finish a hump and your camis, your 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 camouflage uniform is not dark. It's dark and white. There's white all over it. It's all the salt in the sweat that soaked your camis. And I mean, you can you can tell you pull it off, and that thing is white, crusted white. That's how brutal it is. And as such, you had better hydrate. You had better drink a lot of water, and I don't mean 20 minutes before. The day before, you have to start hydrating and taking in enough salt, not too much, but enough salt to make sure your body can retain more of the water. If you do not, you will overheat, especially in an environment like that. And when you overheat and you go down with heat stroke, heat exhaustion, whatever the case may be, believe me, when your body goes you don't just tough it out when you're humping that kind of gear. If your body, like if your legs start wobbling, you're gone. You're done. You can't maintain. You go down. They must take your temperature to determine how much danger you are in, and they do not take your temperature in your mouth or your armpit. Hang on. Birch. Gold, remember that name, because it can, I mean, gosh, it can really save your bacon. You understand what's happening out there, right? $26 trillion is the national debt. And what are they doing right now in Congress? They're debating it as we speak, yet another spending bill with no money left. We're staring at a $4 trillion deficit already this year alone. These numbers are so big, your mind can't comprehend them. Mine can't either. People, we know the history of the world. If you listen to my show, you sure do. That story only ends one way. 
Get some precious metals and start protecting your financial future. Get them from Birch Gold. Go to birchgold.com slash jesse. That's birchgold.com slash jesse. Get a free 20-page kit. Inform yourself. If you go down with heat stroke, heat exhaustion, you will hear Corbin up because they have to take your temperature. At which point, they're going to approach you. They're going to tell you in front of God and everybody to remove your pants. And they are going to take that thermometer that is aptly named the silver bullet. And they're going to make very sure they get an accurate reading. By the grace of God, I never had to go through it. My buddies who did, did not rave about the experience. Well, I mean, maybe one or two of them did. I don't know. What, Chris? Apparently I have run out of time. I will finish my hammock story. Tomorrow. Tomorrow's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Email your questions. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I want them all. Email them in. They do not have to be political, or they can be. That's all. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, get 10% off. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.